Good evening again and welcome. We are glad you're here tonight. We appreciate so much you being with us. To those of you who are visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We are grateful that you have chosen to be here tonight. We hope that our service and time together is beneficial to you. We are looking tonight at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. I appreciate Jordan reading our scripture a moment ago. This morning, Jordan told me that today is Bowtie Sunday. And I told him I didn't get the memo. I appreciate you guys that can pull it off. You look great. Personally, I think I'd look like Bozo the Clown. But I appreciate so much how sharp you guys look and appreciate the opportunity to be here together tonight. We are looking at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And we have been looking at our key verses on Sunday night. And this is no exception. We're looking at the words of Joshua. You remember last week in our study, we accentuated Joshua 24, verse 15, where Joshua declared that for his family, on behalf of his family, they would serve the Lord. So tonight, we look at Joshua 1, verse 8. And as we think about this lesson, I want to talk for a moment or two about some principles that will lead to success. And so we're going to be talking about that in a moment or two. I do want to say how much we appreciate we appreciate all the good work that goes on here. We're grateful, even though this has been a very difficult time. The last seven months or so have been unprecedented, at least in my lifetime. And I hope and pray that we never go through anything like this again. But we certainly want to bear down, do our best. We hope and pray that at some point in time, life will get back to some sense of normality. And things are improving but we've still got a way to go, and so we hope and pray that in the, very in the very near future, things will be normal again. As you, think of, as you think tonight about principles for success, let me just begin by asking this question. Do you feel successful in your life? Do you think that where you are right now has made you feel a sense of success and accomplishment, prosperity, if you please, in life. I would imagine that if we were to poll any number of people and ask them point blank, do you want to be a success in life? I think everyone would say, absolutely. I don't know of anyone who wants to fail in life. Many of us, we have failed from time to time. We have faced setbacks. We've been discouraged, dismayed. Some have become despondent, even discouraged. We want to be successful. And I think in Joshua chapter 1, we have a template for success in life. And really, when we talk about life, it's about getting home, isn't it? getting home to heaven. And so if we follow the template, if we follow the pattern, then we can make it from earth to heaven. Joshua, as you well know, was the successor to Moses. Moses was the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. And in Joshua chapter 1, God said to Joshua in the long ago, Moses, my servant, is dead. In light of that fact, the mantle of leadership 
fell upon Joshua. Joshua was called upon by God to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. That land that flowed with milk and honey, as the spies said in Numbers chapter 13. And so in Joshua chapter 1, there are some points that are made to Joshua that will help him, enable him to get the children of Israel into the promised land, into that land that God had promised Abraham many years earlier. So I want to call attention to some of the principles that are laid down that would ensure his success in life. And I really believe that if we take these same principles, they will make for a successful life as we sojourn here on planet Earth. So let's begin, first of all, by noting the charge to be brave. Now pick up with me if you would. I mentioned a moment ago that God disclosed to Joshua that Moses, my servant, is dead. Verse 2, he said, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every soul or every place that the sole of your foot will tread, he said, I've given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. In verse 5, he said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, think about here is General Joshua. And God is saying, I want you to, I want you to assume the leadership of my people. And you need to understand, just like I was with Moses day in and day out, I'm going to stand by your side come what may. Now look at verse 6. In verse 6, there's the call to be brave. God said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. First, God said, I want you to be strong. There's a sense in which all of us need to be strong, spiritually speaking. Didn't Paul say in Ephesians chapter 6, Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word strong here means to be firm, resolute. It carries with it the idea to prevail. So you think about, here's, here is Joshua. He has the responsibility of taking the children of Israel into the promised land. Would there be obstacles and setbacks and discouragements? Would there be difficulties along the road? Well, the answer would be yes. And then you make the application to modern day life. Life is not, is not a bed of roses. As a matter of fact, it would be great if everything was just smooth sailing. But that's not life, is it? Didn't Job say, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble? The expectation of trials and tribulations and troubles in life. So it takes a certain amount of strength and fortitude. This attitude that we will prevail. There is a sense of resoluteness. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. We're not going to give out, as has been said in the past. So God said, I want you to be strong 
And then he said, I want you to be of good courage. And the word courage here means to be brave, to be bold. Now you remember in Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were called before the Sanhedrin. They had healed a man at the gate of the temple. And the Sanhedrin council interrogated them about the miracle that had been performed. And they acknowledged that this great miracle had been done by the power or in the name of Jesus. Well, the Sanhedrin council commanded them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. But you remember in verse 20 of chapter 4, they said, we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. And then after having been dismissed, they went back to the other disciples and they rehearsed the things that had occurred. And the text tells us, Luke says, that they prayed to God that with all boldness they might speak the Word of God. Now you think about Joshua. He's going to need to be strong, courageous, bold, and brave. Is it not the case today that those who are leaders in the Lord's church, that they need to be brave and courageous and strong and bold? Those who preach and teach the gospel, same thing. Those of us who are parents, it takes courage and strength to rear our children, to point them in the direction of heaven, doesn't it? So we're talking about principles that will lead to success in life. It's easy to get discouraged and dismayed. We face obstacles here and there. There are setbacks in life. There are setbacks to elders, to preachers, to teachers, to moms and dads. It's a part of life. So God is saying to Joshua in the long ago, first and foremost, you need to be brave. One of the things that strikes me about the early church, the Christians in the first century, they were brave and bold in their declaration and defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a second thing that God instructs Joshua with regard to success, and that is, God said, I want you to be biblical. Listen to him in verse 7. Again, the exhortation. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Drop down, look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He said, you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So God's saying to Joshua, all right, Joshua, I want you to feed upon my word. I want you to be submissive to what Moses, my servant, has written. Is there a charge for us today to subjugate or submit our lives to the Lord? You know, we talk about prerequisites to pleasing God. If we're going to be successful and prosperous in this life, then we've got to be biblical. We've got to be anchored to the truth of Almighty God, don't we? Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven? You remember, he likened those who hear the word and do it to the wise man that built his house upon the rock. He said the rains came, the floods, or rather 
the rains came, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house. He said it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon the rock. And so to anchor our lives in the Word of God. Go back again very quickly. You remember last week I mentioned Deuteronomy chapter 5. And God said in Deuteronomy chapter 5 in verse 32 to the children of Israel, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. He said, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. And then look over in Deuteronomy chapter 17 very quickly. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, God here talks about the time in the not too distant future that the children of Israel would ask for a king. And you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 8, the children of Israel did just that. They wanted a king to be like the nations about them. So God said, all right, when you, when you get into the land and the people want a king, here are the principles that are to govern the one who occupies the throne. Now listen to what he said. Verse 14. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I'll set a king over me like the nations that are around me. You shall, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. He said, you, shall, you may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. And then he said, he shall not multiply horses for himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Their dependence was not to be on military armaments, armaments, but rather their dependence was to be upon the Lord. He said, For the Lord has said to you, You shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Now look at verse 18. Also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. It shall, be, it shall be with him. He shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So God here is saying to the children of Israel, look, when you, when you get to the point in history that you want a king, here are the principles, here are the precepts that are to govern his behavior. And note, if you would, how God said, I want you, that is the one who occupies the throne, I want you to accentuate in your life my word. Well, why was that? Because it would bless him. It would bless the children of Israel, wouldn't it? So what God is saying is, number one, they would have to be submissive to the word of God. And then number two, they were to meditate on that law. To ponder what has been revealed in the law of God. Now you remember in Psalm 1 verse 2, 
It was said of the psalmist of old that he meditated on the law of Jehovah, and in that law he meditated day and night. In Psalm 119, 97, the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. He talked about how he loved the Word of God greater than silver and gold. It was sweeter, he said, to his mouth than honey or the honeycomb. So there is great emphasis on being biblical in life. You look around in our society today and you wonder why in the lives of many people their homes, their lives are literally a train wreck. I can tell you why. Because in many cases we've gotten away from being biblical in our lives. Whenever you get away from God's pattern, problems will occur, will they not? So here's God saying to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to be brave and I want you to be biblical. I want you to anchor your life to my word. God said to those who would later occupy the throne in Israel, I want you to anchor your lives in my word. And sadly, when you look at the northern kingdom, there was not one single good king in the history of the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom only had maybe four or five. But they got away from the word of God and they paid a heavy price. So God said, I want you to be brave, I want you to be biblical, and then thirdly, He said, I want you to be balanced in your life. Listen again to what He said, verse 7. Only be strong, very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. He said that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. I think what God was saying to Joshua in the long ago, and I think what God is saying to us today, is if you want to be successful and prosperous in life, then you need to, again, be brave, be biblical, and be balanced in your life. You don't want to go to the right. You don't want to go to the left. Your life needs to be central. That is, you need to stay with the Word of God, don't you? You know, there are a lot of folks in the world today, their life is about excesses. There are some that have gone to the far right. There are some that have gone to the far left. And what God is saying is, number one, if you want harmony in your life, if you want to have a sense of balance in your life, then you've got to stay with my word. You can't afford to go to the extreme right or to the left. Not only will it bring harmony to our life, but I believe it will bring happiness to our lives. Now I mentioned some weeks ago about the importance of having your tires balanced. And if you're running down the highway and you get to a certain speed, and I'll let you fill in the blank, but you get to a certain speed, if your tires are not balanced, what's going to happen? You're going to be bouncing all over the road. 
But if you're not anchored to the Word of God and if your life is not balanced, if your life is not in line with God's Word, then you're in for a bumpy ride in life. I can tell you that. There are a lot of homes, there are a lot of people in our nation, in our world, they are traveling down a very bumpy road in life. And again, the reason is they've gotten away from the template, from the pattern. When God gives us instructions, God's instructions are preemptive, proactive. God is saying, I want you to do this, or I don't want you to do this. Why? Because it will bring balance to your life. It will bring happiness and harmony. You think about where you are in your life tonight. If your life isn't anchored to the Word of God, and you're not submitting to God's Word, you're not meditating on His truth, if you're not staying center, that is, if you're not staying center to everything God says, your life is out of harmony. It's out of balance. And the only way to get back in harmony, get back in balance, is to get back to the pattern, isn't it? Don't you think it's interesting that Paul would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Timothy, hold fast the form, the pattern of sound words. There is something special about staying in God's Word. So God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, let me just ask this question. Do you think God wanted Joshua to be successful? Absolutely. God entrusted the work of leading the children of Israel into the hands of a capable man. I'm convinced God had confidence in Joshua. Joshua was confident in the Lord, wasn't he? So, if we're going to be successful in life, if our life is going to be one of harmony and happiness, we've got to learn to trust God, don't we? Joshua had, he had to be confident in his relationship to the Lord, and then he had to lay claim to the land. God would say a little bit later regarding the city of Jericho, I've given you the land, I've given you the city. But they had to claim it. Now I want you to think about it like this. Think about all the promises that are contained in the Word of God. Now sometimes we talk about in Scripture. Peter said that God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that we need for living a godly life in Christ has been revealed, right? There are certain facts that we must believe. There are commands that we are to be obedient to. There are promises to be enjoyed. So you think about all the promises, the rich promises that are set forth in Scripture. If we are confident in the Lord, can we then lay claim to the promises that He's outlined in Scripture? Yes or no? Yes. So here's my question. Why is it in life sometimes, as children of God, we don't lay claim to the promises set forth in Scripture? Is it because we lack trust? Is it because our faith, our confidence in God and His Word is not what it ought to be? 
Is there not a correlation between our spiritual strength and stamina and God's Word? Didn't Paul say faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God? Peter said we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So here are all these promises that God has given us. God said to Joshua in the long ago, Look, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. As a child of God, do I have a right to lay claim to that promise today? Can I say with confidence, God will never leave my side? That's what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 13, didn't he? I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? So we talk about the presence of God. What about laying claim to prayer? Can I go before the throne of God confident that God will hear my prayers? Didn't John say this is a confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, listen to Him, He hears us. That is a promise set forth in Scripture. Do I have the right as a child of God to lay claim to that? Yes, I do. Peter said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. So the problem is not with prayer. The problem sometimes is I don't lay claim to those promises. Pardon, forgiveness. I've known a lot of good people, members of the body of Christ. They've been baptized into Christ. They're trying to live a faithful life. And they continually beat themselves up. And you might be here tonight. And I'm talking to you. You are beating yourself up over past mistakes in life. Look, if God says, I forgive you, does He mean it? If the Hebrew writer said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. So if I ask God to forgive me, as John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he's writing to Christians there. And God said, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I go before the throne of God. I acknowledge my wrongdoing. I ask God to forgive me. Will He forgive me? Do I have a right to lay claim to that and say, you know what? God said He's forgiven me, and I am forgiven. What the devil wants us to do is shoulder guilt and question the integrity of Scripture. And wonder whether or not God will really fulfill His promises. You think about what Joshua was about to embark upon. He's going to be leading the children of Israel into the promised land. God needs him to trust him 110%, doesn't He? So you think about as you make your way through this life. As you navigate through life day in and day out. Is it not true that we have to have absolute 110% confidence in the Lord that He will see us safely home? So, there's a fourth thing I want to share with you. If we are brave like Joshua, if we're biblical and balanced, and again, you think about what Joshua's about to embark upon. He's got a tremendous road ahead. God said, if you'll do all these things, what will I do? I'll bless you. 
Listen to him. Go back and look at verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. You may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Now here it is. That you may prosper wherever you go. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then, God's saying, look, if you do this, then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. One of the reasons why, as children of God sometimes, we're not successful and prosperous is because we're not looking at the pattern. We're not learning from the template. God gave Joshua, He gave him the perfect pattern for success and prosperity to get the job done. As a child of God, what's the job, what's the task at hand? To live the Christian life, to be faithful to God, to get home, right? That is to get to heaven. So how are we going to do it? You've got to do it just like Joshua did. God said to Joshua in the long ago, if you'll do all this, he said, you will make your way prosperous. He said, you will have good success. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong, of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. To me it's as if God is saying to Joshua, in a very encouraging way, look, I've got your back, Joshua. You stay with me, you trust me, you follow, you follow the instructions that I've set before you, and let me tell you what, I will get you where you need to be. So what's the application to us today? If we do what God said to do, will He not get us where we want to be? Yes, He will. But we've got to trust God. Look, life is tough. At best, life is hard. The best of the best still face adversity, don't they? They still have trials, still have troubles, still have problems in life. I don't care if you're talking about rich people, poor people. That doesn't matter how well educated somebody might be. No one is exempt to problems in life. And life is tough. Joshua had a monumental task at hand. Whatever, whatever task we have before us, whether it is serving as an elder, a deacon in the church, a preacher, a teacher, whether it's being a mom, a dad, a grandparent, the task, the task at hand can be a success, but it's tied to that book right there. It's tied to following the precepts set forth. So here's my question to you tonight. How successful are you? How successful have you been up to this point in time in your life? Could I kindly say this? If your life has not been successful or prosperous, and you've been, you've been on a bumpy road, it's been a bumpy ride, 
Is it possible you've gotten away from the pattern right here? Could I encourage you to get back to where you need to be? Does God want us to be successful in life? Yes or no? I believe that. Does God want us to be happy in life? Yes or no? I believe that with all my heart. You know, Peter talked about those who would love life and see good days. Let me tell you, if you want to see good days in, in this life, stay with this book right here. That's the message that we preach. That's the message we teach. That's the message that we hold up before the world. It's right here. And so, Josh, to me, Joshua is one of the great characters of the Old Testament. Joshua was, he was such an inspiration. And when you begin to look at his life and you see how he sought to the best of his ability to stay with God, what does that say to us? If we'll follow in those footsteps, we can be successful in life. So tonight, if you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to come to Christ? If you've never obeyed the gospel, then why not do that tonight? Believe Jesus to be the Son of God, repent of your sins, confess His name before others. Be baptized into Christ, let God wash all your sins away. Now, here's what washes away your sins, the blood of Christ. But when you're baptized, you then contact that blood. God puts you in the body of Christ. And then if you're faithful, the crown of life awaits you. If you're here tonight and for whatever reason your life is out of balance, maybe your life's been a train wreck. Look, if you need the prayers of the church, I promise you, if you need the prayers of this church, we're not here to judge you, to talk about you. We're here to pray with you, to encourage you, to let you know that we're family. And as family members, we can rejoice together and we can weep together. If you need the prayers of the church as a wayward child of God, or maybe as someone who's struggling, maybe you're doing your best and your life is still out of balance, could we pray with you tonight as we stand and sing?